Welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave, where we chat with amazing women within the worlds of sports, fitness, wellness, and business who aren't afraid to keep it real. Every week, we talk careers, relationships, and most importantly, the practice of self-care. Uncensored and unapologetic, you'll walk away from every episode with real-life takeaways and advice. No BS or fluff. I'm your host, Crystal Rose, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave. Oh, this has been quite the week. I know there are a lot of people hurting. I think that um, for people like me who are empaths, our energy, the energy of the world of this country has been absolutely crushing as we kind of navigate through this time. So I wanted to take the opportunity this week instead of doing a regular episode, which I had planned um, on talking about body image this week, and it just did not seem like it just didn't feel right. And with everything that's going on, I realized that yes, my voice is important, but the amplification of other women, specifically women of color, specifically black women is so, so important right now and just in general. So I went through some old episodes and decided to do a roundup um, of the black women who have been on this podcast. Now we have had about 26 guests and nine have been women of color, four have been black. And it has always been important for me to be inclusive in this um, and to hear as many voices as possible in this space. Could I do better? Absolutely. And that is definitely something that I have been consistently trying to do and will continue to try to do. And having everything at the forefront right now um, is just that reminder that it's so important to not just be diverse, not to be diverse for the sake of diversity, but to be inclusive. And whether it be in my personal life or on this podcast or in my business, I want women, all women, black women, women of color to look at my brand, to look at this podcast, to look at me as a person and say, I belong here. I belong here because you do. When I got this idea to do this kind of roundup for the episodes, I got really excited because these are four episodes that were absolutely some of my favorite, favorite, favorite episodes. The very first episode of this podcast, we had Tiana Bartoletta on it, and she is a three-time Olympic gold medalist, just an incredible athlete, but also an incredible person. There were so many just like golden nuggets of wisdom in in her episode. And I, oh my God, when when I started this podcast and she was, you know, we decided she was going to be the first person. I was so, so excited. 
to showcase her. And I'm really excited to be revisiting her in this episode as well. Another beautiful, amazing black woman is Nicole Walters. I first found Nicole when I was at um, a conference and she spoke and just everything that came out of her mouth was just, yes, you know, you just have that visceral response to someone speaking and everything she said, I was just here for it. She's brilliant. She's an entrepreneur. She was super successful in the corporate world. And then she turned around and started her own business and has been incredibly successful. She has just the kind of voice that you just want to listen to. She says the most amazing, hard-hitting things. And I loved having her on the podcast. And she's not, you know, she's not specifically a fitness or wellness person, but she had a fitness journey. And that's one of the the big reasons why I asked her on the show, because we discussed that. But then we also discussed, you know, being a woman and balance and all of that. So I'm really excited to share her with you guys, because she's just she's the best. <laughs> Another incredible woman we've had on the show is Davida Parks. When I interviewed Davida, we probably talked for like, oh my gosh, like a half hour beforehand. And I, I had to be like, wait, we need to stop. <laughs> We need to record this because it was just so comfortable and so amazing. And everything she said was just like, yes, yes, yes. And I was like, we're, we're recording gold right now. We're we're not recording gold right now. Like we need to, we need to hit record. And she was just like, oh, she was so good. I, I remember getting off that, that recording and stop recording. And, and I said goodbye to her. And I was just like, Oh, I love this. I love what I do. I love talking to these women. She's amazing. She's local to me. I've never met her. I still haven't gotten to meet her. And I just, oh, so good. Such a good episode, you guys. She went from, um, you know, the corporate world again, and she started her own business. And so she talks a little bit about how she navigates that and just like through some hard, hard things in her life. Such an incredible episode. And finally, we have Kelsey Campbell. Kelsey is also an Olympic athlete. I love having athletes on the show. And she is a wrestler, a woman wrestler. And just like listening to her and just how she just took all these risks on herself and, you know, how on paper she believes, she firmly believes on paper, like there's, she has no business being where she is, but she believed in herself. She had people who believed in her and she fought her way to the Olympics and she's in the process of fighting her way back. Such an incredible interview. Kelsey is another one that it was just so natural to talk to. You know, all of these women, it was like talking to a friend, someone that I've known for years and I didn't know them at all. I got to I had the opportunity to speak to them, to interview them. And it immediately felt like we were friends. So Kelsey is just another one of those people. I know she will be in my life for a long time because she is that amazing and just has such great, amazing things to say. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I really wanted to just do something different and special this week and amplify these women's voices. These are incredible women. They are incredible leaders. We can all learn so 
so much from them. And I want you guys to know, I think there are, you know, a lot of white women that want to do better and are trying to do better. And I think we all need to take a breath and understand that we're not going to do it in a week. This is not a let's barf up all the quotes and hashtags and, and, you know, shove everything down people's throats for a week. Like this is something, this racial equality, this supporting women of color, black women, and lifting them up and, and including them, not just in the conversation, but in our businesses, in our spaces, in our communities. This is not a week-long thing. This is a lifelong thing. This is something that needs to be conscious. If it's not unconscious to you, if you don't just do this, you know, if you aren't just inclusive and if you aren't having these conversations and if you aren't stepping up and calling out racism and you see it, you know, like this is a lifelong thing. This is a long term thing. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. And so I really encourage you while yes, right now, this week, things in our country are so rough and it's raw and bleeding and needs needs love and needs good energy and needs people to step up. This is not, there is no bandaid big enough for this bullet wound. We have to continue to do the work. And I personally am committed to doing that, um, in all aspects of my life and continuing this on and, and committing to being better because I do feel like I, um, have made this a part of my business, my life, but I could always be better. And, in a way, I'm grateful. I am very grateful for the conversations that are happening this week because it's letting me see where I can do better. So I just encourage you guys, you know, this is not a political thing. This is this is not a political thing. This is a humanity thing. And I encourage you guys all to just, you know, take a look at yourself and drop the defensiveness and really just open your heart because that's what it's all going to come down to. Just open your heart. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's the best parts of some of the best interviews that I've had. And if you are or know a woman of color or a black woman, I mean, and a black woman, specifically black women, who you think would be good on the show that are in the fitness space, wellness, um, health, you know, that, or they're an athlete, or maybe they're a business owner who really, really values fitness or, you know, taking care of their bodies. I would love to have them on the show. I would absolutely love it. So please slide into my DMs on Instagram. It is at Extal Rose, X-T-A-L-R-O-S-E. Tell me what you think of this episode. Tell me who you think should be on this show and I will continually harass them. There are a couple of women I have been harassing for a long time that don't read my DMs. So I'm going to have to find another door to knock on to get them on the show. Um, I won't give up, but please let me know what you guys think. Take care of yourselves and enjoy the episode. So what drove you to this sport? Like, what's your driving force? Because obviously you have to have the intrinsic motivation. You can have other people telling you, you should do this, you should do that. You're good at this, you're good at that. But what got you to be like, this is what I'm going to do with my life? 
I love that question because I never actually made that decision for myself. Mm-hmm. In school, I played every sport that was available for a girl to play. And when it came springtime, we had a, the only two sports that the school had were it was wrestling and track and field. I chose wrestling. My mom vetoed wrestling, even <laughs> though my dad was the coach. And like we lobbied hard for me to be on the wrestling. <laughs> Well, my mom was not having it. So I ended up on the track team just because I was athletic and I needed to move around. And so it was kind of almost like, this is just what we did. I didn't necessarily choose a sport because I loved it. I had never even run track before. This is in 1997. And so I'm just out there. And then on the first day of practice, they said something like track events over here, field events over here. And... I understood that if you chose a track event, that meant you had to run. I was completely uninterested in running. So I went to the field events and they explained all the different field events. And I was like, sandpit, that's me. So that's how I chose the long jump. I did my three sports. So basketball, volleyball, and track and field for four years, all three, loving them all pretty much equally because it was just like, if this yeah. is the fall, this is what we do. In the winter, this is what we do. And, you know, it's kind of like that. But when my dad told me that he and my mom wanted me to go to college, but that they weren't interested in paying for it, and that I needed to figure out how to get a scholarship, that's when I decided I needed to like take a hard look and maybe just choose one of yeah. the sport so that I could have a better chance on an athletic scholarship. Kind of really didn't matter because I had a full academic scholarship too, but I just wanted to make sure everything was covered, you know? I looked at myself objectively, which I'm really proud of because at that age, that's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. see it in other, in other kids that age. But, you know, I knew that my basketball skills, my ball handling skills were kind of horrible. I kept outrunning the dribble because I'm running fast, but my <laughs> ball handling skills can't keep up. So I turn over the ball a lot because I either outrun it and lose it and have to run back and get it. And most of the time, by that time, somebody else has gotten it. In volleyball, I was just a little too short to be isolated and identified as like some kind of star player. And I couldn't serve overhand. I just could not figure it out. (laughs) And that was like one of the things you need to do for varsity. So that honestly, by elimination, left track and field. (laughs) (laughs) Buckled down because I felt like this is my best chance. And that's how it happened. That's crazy. So then you just obviously excelled. <laughs> well, my father and I, we kind of, we did, we went to camps and we learned what we need to learn and changed training strategies. And really the goal was like, get Tiana to college. And it kind of just like uncovered this whole, I don't want to say talent so much because it required so much learning and right. work on our part. So it's not that I'm particularly talented at track and field. It's just that we were very intentional with the play and we executed it very well. And then that led to me getting a scholarship, which led to me having access to great coaches. And then suddenly like the rest is like... <laughs> <laughs> snowballed from there so you've been through some serious shit Mm -hmm. I saw and I think that from the outside looking in you know people probably have looked at you or other professional athletes Olympians actresses you know just like women in the spotlight and been wow what an amazing full life they have and I know for me personally, I struggle with a lot of depression. I have high anxiety. And if you look at my life from the outside, everything is, you know, on the surface. It's great. You know, I have a great husband, house, job, all this stuff. 
but there's an added level of shame that comes in when you have those feelings. Yes. Because how dare I mm-hmm. have these feelings when everyone else wishes they could have even just some of these things. Mm-hmm. Will you talk a little bit about that? That's such a huge topic. And honestly, it's kind of what guides my, I don't want to say brand because that seems very inauthentic, but it guides like my messaging or like what the narrative that I'm trying to share with people now. So I feel you on that for, for the entire time I was married, it was like, this is perfect. We are perfect. I'm winning, blah, blah, blah. And in the meantime, I'm like, driving two and a half hours to a psychologist so that nobody sees me going into this office and like diagnosed with depression, like liquid band-aids over cuts that I made on my arms myself because bandages would draw attention to it. Like all of this stuff going on. And like you said, sometimes you just want to be like, it is not okay. I am not okay. And when you get close to even admitting that to someone who's like kind of outside that circle, they're like, but you live in this, your house is amazing. Your husband adores you. And it's like, never mind. You're right. What do I have to be upset about? Look at everything you have. Think about everything you have. Yeah. Follow it down. And so I decided, I knew how that made me feel. And I knew how I felt when these like other professional athletes are my peers. So like, I know the life they're living versus the life they show you that they're living. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. First of all, it's exhausting because it's the double life essentially. And I'm done with the double life thing. That's kind of one of the decisions I made. I was like, I'm not doing that. If that's not how I feel, that's not how I feel. I'd rather post nothing than to post some bullshit. I'm not doing that to people. And I really wanted to encourage other people to not do that to themselves too, because it is so freeing, scary, but (laughs) freeing to be able to say, no, I am not doing okay right now. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got nothing for you. Sorry. For you. And I actually say that to people sometimes because I am one of those people that other people come to and sometimes dump on. And sometimes I have to say, I hear you, but not today. I am not doing well today. I don't have anything to give you. And if I try to like manufacture something, it's going to damage us both. So give me a few days, I'll get back to you. And that is so much better for both of us because it gives that other person permission to stop pouring themselves out when they're empty as well. And so it's kind of a role model situation. Like I don't do that to myself anymore. And hopefully that inspires you to not do that to yourself anymore. Yeah. You got to protect your space. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. And set boundaries. Because when you are that person people will go to, it becomes soul sucking. Oh, yeah. It's take, 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 take. And it's easy to recognize when it's just one person doing the taking. But it's a lot more difficult when you've got like a group of friends, like someone takes a little over here and then someone takes a little over here. And what eventually happens is you blow up at the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) All these other people took too much from you. And then this one person who just happens to be last to the counter to ask you for something kind of gets the short end of the stick. So if you just protect yourself, then you can you can basically be a better friend, better lover, better wife, whatever it is. If you just are courageous enough to be like, stop. Honest. Yeah. And just, hey, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. So you, you went through this divorce. 
and you went through a lot of shit personally and on the inside. So like, what was the turning point where you're like, I'm done, not anymore. Like, how did you get to that point where you just decided that you were going to make a huge change? So a couple things happened and it wasn't necessarily a turning point, but like a really, really slow drip. So I started practicing yoga and originally it was just to complement my training program. I was having trouble sleeping. My central nervous system wasn't going offline so that I could recover. So it got me into like yoga nidra, which is the yoga of sleep and like a deep meditation. And then I got into yin yoga, which is that really slow prop filled class where you don't actually do much work. You just let the props and gravity do the work for you, which is a great counter to a training session. Let me tell you. So that's how it started. But in these yoga classes, I was hearing the yoga philosophy kind of dripping in. Maybe they open the class with a poem where they teach us a chant or something. It just slowly but surely that along with like me generating body awareness because I was practicing yoga so frequently started to change the way I felt about myself. I started to understand that I wasn't honoring my body or like who I was. And that started this little journey. The day I knew my marriage was over was like something like, it's so dumb on the surface, but it was like, you know how they say it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was kind of like that. And I had asked to go on vacation after the Rio Olympics because I was tired. (laughs) When I tell you I was exhausted, I was exhausted and all I wanted to do was go to Hawaii because as much as I've traveled the world, I've never been in Hawaii and it's always been like my dream spot for whatever reason. I imagined that I would go on Airbnb, rent an entire villa, take my laptop and a notebook, sit on the beach and write for a week, maybe Um, 10 days. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted. I'm down. Let's go. Let's go. That's what I asked for. And the answer I got was, you didn't earn enough to take a vacation like that. No. Oh, my (laughs) God. Two gold medals and like all that comes with that. I, for the first time, looked at this man and understood that there would never be anything that I could do that would be enough. And so it was the most discouraging, disheartening, but clarifying thing for me. And I was just like, I actually don't need to try anymore. Like this is done. Like there's nowhere to go from here. And so, yeah, those two things, practicing of yoga and that like one specific event started this whole new reiteration of myself. Wow. It really is generally like one of those, like that last little thing. And I know for a fact that at some point he was like, damn it, man, why didn't you just take her to Hawaii? (laughs) (laughs) It would have been something else. (laughs) (laughs) But I know that that's how superficial it seems on the surface, but that was like the most eye-opening thing for me. Yeah, well, it would have been it would have been something else, right? I mean, yeah, you just, yeah for me, definitely, because yeah, for sure, the right thing. So obviously, would have been something else. I can't even. I mean, the Olympics, like you just <laughs> <laughs> like there's literally nowhere else for me to go in my job. Yeah, like what more is there at that point? It's go and do it again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that you said that because that was the other thing I was worried about. I was worried about what happens when I retire. 
since it was clear to me that my worth was really tied up into my accomplishments, when I'm done competing, what then? And if two gold medals isn't enough, what happens when I'm just retired? I'm at home with the dogs. What happens then? I like want you to repeat that because I think that so many women are like, when I get here, when I do this, or when I make this money, or when I get this job, when I lose this weight, when I, there's always a when, when, when. Yeah, there's, it, and it's not real. There's always going to be another level we feel like we can access. Or sometimes we're always saying, well, when this happens, I will feel this way. Right. And it's true when that happens, you will feel a certain kind of way, but I guarantee that the way you feel won't be complete. Completion is not what you'll find there. You might have more money, you might feel more confident, but you will not feel complete because that feeling that you are enough comes from inside. There is absolutely nothing on the planet that will, not even the ideal man, can make you feel like you're enough if you don't believe you're enough. Preach. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to go on because I think that that is like, that is such an amazing thing to end on. It is so important. And that's something that I personally, I'm preached day and night and screamed to the top of mountains is that that self-love and finding that within yourself. So what do you do to foster that on a day-to-day basis? Because you can't just, you know, all right, I moved out of this bad situation and found the self-love and then I'm good, right? Like, what do you do on the daily to just keep that going in yourself? Right. Self-love is hard. I want to say that it's very on trend to like hashtag self-love and self-care Tuesday or whatever it is. But I remember waking up the morning after I had like left, like left, physically left. And I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I can have whatever I want for breakfast. (laughs) It was like the weirdest little moment for me. And it was like, okay, so what do you want? <laughs> and so that kind of sparked this whole, like, I had to play 21 questions with myself, essentially, because I had no idea who Tiana was, because Tiana was so busy catering to what other people needed her to be. She didn't even know what her favorite breakfast was at that time. And so for me, self-love was simply like, do you prefer regular gummy bears or sour gummy bears? Do you want to see this movie or that movie? And it was whatever my choice was, I made that choice. I stopped letting myself just go along with stuff. Like if a group of friends said, we're going to go to this vegan restaurant, typically I'd be like, sure, I'll come. But in this phase of my life, I had to say, you know what? I'm not vegan. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time with the spaghetti squash and fake meatballs today. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. like little things like that. Have your own back first. That's a little bit easier than the whole idea that you have to love yourself because some people aren't there yet. Right. It starts with like giving yourself permission to do something that makes you feel good and then give yourself permission to say no. That's like step one for me. Give yourself permission to say no and then do something you like to do. And over time, it's almost like your true self that's been hiding because you haven't been interested in knowing who or where she was, will start to peek out at you and you'll be reintroduced to yourself and you'll fall back in love with that person and what you learn about them over time. So good. (laughs) I love it. All right. I want you to give me a quote, whether it be something that you live by or something that's speaking to you lately. Leave us with a quote. 
how about I leave you with my mantra? Yeah. This has been my mantra for the last two plus years. And it is everything is exactly as it should be, which when you're going through shit is not always pleasant. Right. You don't hear it here, but it helps you understand that it's necessary for whatever reason it's necessary for you to grow necessary catalyst for you to develop some skills that you need for the next level, whatever it is, everything is happening as it should be to get you and usher you from one version of yourself to a better version of yourself. Just keep trucking. (laughs) Amazing advice. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. I'm so excited for people to to listen to this and Welcome. It went so fast. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find you? I am on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on different handles on each one. <laughs> on Facebook, you can find me at Tiana B. So it's the letter B, but it's like Bumblebee, B-E-E, Tiana B. And on Instagram, it's Tiana.Bartoletta. And on Twitter, it's T.I. Bartoletta. So hopefully we can like type that out or something. <laughs> but, uh, like if you send me a message, I'll read it and get back to you and all that stuff. So I look forward to meeting some new friends. So how do you, how do you balance your, you've got this crazy growing business. You have now your, your newfound fitness. You've got these girls who are all going through super fun stages. Right, right. Life. You're married. How do you uh, juggle it all? I know I have a lot of moms who listen to this and that's, this is like their favorite, their favorite part. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, so my answer is not going to be anywhere near as fun or deep as I'm sure anyone else's is. is. The truth is I don't. I'm a hot mess express, you know, like, so all the moms out there waiting for the secret, like exhale, there isn't one. You know what I mean? The reality is what I do is I grant myself grace. I say, hey, one ball is always going to be on the floor. You can't juggle everything. And that is just the real. What I try to do is I try to just be my best wherever I am in that moment. So if I make it to the school play, and sometimes I don't, if I make it to the school play, I'm there and I'm there without a phone out, you know, trying to do work someplace else. I'm at the play. If I am, you know, celebrating or having dinner with my family, I'm having dinner with my family. You know, it's important for me to just try to be my best in the moment that I'm in, but I try not to beat myself up if I can't be everywhere because as moms, we're expected to be all the things to all the people all the time. (laughs) And that means that at minimum, you're nothing for yourself and that's not realistic. And so I just started granting myself grace and saying, look, like a ball's going to drop and you know what? I'm still doing the best that I can. See, I think that's the perfect answer. (laughs) (laughs) It's real life, right? I love it because people are always like, you need a planner. Maybe if you schedule or if you delegate and like all those things help you. They help you juggle a little better, but it doesn't mean you're not going to drop something. And I think that people need to hear that you can still be a multimillionaire and drop something. You can still have well-adjusted kids and drop something. Like the other day I was at, I was working just a regular work day and I get a phone call from the school out of nowhere. My kid has stuck an eraser in her ear and, you know, and they can't get it out. And I got to come to the school and I got to take it or urge again. Like, it's just, these things happen. And, you know, one, I could beat myself up because now I'm pulled away from work or two, I could beat myself up 
because I have the type of kid who thinks you can stick an eraser in your ear. You know, I mean, there's a million ways that I could like beat myself up over it or I could just handle it, know that, hey, some work stuff's not going to get done. And guess what? The world will go on tomorrow. And that was the angle that I decided to take. And it serves me best. I think a lot of women, and this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this podcast, because, you know, we see these amazing kick-ass women who are just like, crushing it, you know, day to day. And we see them from afar. But when you look really close, it's like, they're just like, we're all the same. We're, you know, we're absolutely all trying to juggle the same. Like ball. barely. And we're all messing up and we're all not great. And we're all like screwing things up. Like that's real life. Like we are all a mess. You know what I mean? We're all a mess and it's just what it is. Right. It's totally fine. And I, I think that that's everything. Yeah. Like some people use it as an excuse to just not do something. Cause like, well, I'm messing up right now doing this. So if I add that to my plate or if I tried to start a business or if I tried to get into a new fitness regime, like I'm just, I don't, I don't have the balance. I, I can't do it. In reality, it's like, look, <laughs> sometimes you go in the gym and you just shut off the world for 20 minutes. And, mm-hmm. and other times you might get an actual hour in there. It's just, it depends on, on the day and, and the activities going on. Totally. You just create the space that you can for yourself. You do the best you can. So I feel like you're one of those super real people too. Like you're, you quit, you quit your, your big corporate job on Instagram live, which is insane and amazing. I feel like you're always like in your hair wrap on on Instagram. Oh, I am. Like, I'm like, listen, it's what it is. You're going to get what you get. Like, that's pretty much what it is. Which I love it. So what did you, was that ever like a conscious choice? Like you're going to share all of you or most of you? Because I don't think... Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I don't think anyone shares every aspect of their life, you know, on social. But yeah, I know that from the beginning, I definitely was like, social media is meant to be social, you know, so you should just be yourself. And the way that I think of anyone who hangs out with me on Instagram or on Facebook or anything else is it's like I'm FaceTiming or texting a girlfriend. That's what yeah. it is. So, you know, I, sh- I don't adjust things just because it's a girlfriend. Because realistically, the person on the other side looks like me. They're in leggings. Mm-hmm. They are, they might be in like house clothes and sweats. You know, they're probably in a messy bun, you know, on top of their head, like a little bit of a mess, you know, and that's real life. And I don't know, there's just, if they want to see perfect and pretty, there's plenty of those options elsewhere. Um, but if they want to see someone who's still getting it done while not being perfect and pretty, well, guess what? I'm an option for that. And, <laughs> and you know, and it's okay. And it also keeps the bar low. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I know, right? You know what I mean? Like if, if for some reason something goes viral and people are like, oh my gosh, that girl's on, you know, I actually had a viral video that had like a million views. I've had a, a couple and one that had a million views. I wasn't wearing a bra. And it, I completely forgot that I wasn't wearing a bra. <laughs> and, like this whole thing. and I mean, like, I'm old enough now that like literally me and no bra is like, you could tuck my boobs into my waistband. You know what I mean? Like it is a full on... <laughs> like situation. And I'm just, I was at home and I was comfortable. So I didn't think anything of it. And sure enough, I'm looking at the comments and people were like, I can't believe she's doing this with no bra on. And I'm like, that's eh, my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's what it is. And at the end of the day, what's great is, you know, when things like that go viral, well, guess what? The paparazzi can't get a picture that, you know, does, isn't already out there. No one's gonna, right. <laughs> you know, nothing. It's nothing new. So yeah, it's just being yourself is a lot easier than having to modify and be something else. I completely agree with that. I feel like it's harder though, as just like a person trying to grow to be real, I guess, like not yeah. harder. To, 
the act of being real is not hard. I feel like it's harder to grow when you're real. Absolutely. No, totally. It can be difficult, I think, when you are trying to kind of figure out the direction to go in. Like, uh, you know how my team is always like, yeah, we want to make you a little bit more polished. We want to edit your videos. We want to, you know, create a content calendar instead of you just going live in the middle of a mammogram. You know, like, (laughs) it's just like, you know, and it's like, I get that some things are related to growth, you know, and and getting more polished and things like that are part of it. But I also never really want to lose the sense of who I am, you know, because I think ultimately that's what's helped my business be so successful is that I really am just out here like, girl, let's keep it real. Let's just hang out, you know, two friends in a car, no big deal. Right. I keep telling myself, I'm like, you know what, that's going to be, it's more sustainable. It totally is. It totally (laughs) is. Like, because also before I go live, like, let's say you have a great moment of inspiration or you're in the middle of something awesome that's happening. You don't ever have to think about like, do I have makeup on or will this get to the editor? Is this time sensitive? You just go live. You know what I mean? You just go live or you just share it or you just record it and you know that it can go up real time and it'll still be good. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the bar low, lady. I know. The bar is way low. I know. It's like, listen, there's enough places to have a high bar. Like, I want to have a profitable, debt-free business. I want to impact as many people as possible. I want to make sure my kids aren't the biter in their class. You know, like, I've got a lot of things that I'm trying to excel at. Like, I, I do not have time for makeup some days. It's just what it is. <laughs> it's just what it is. That's why I got the fake lashes, because you can just wake up. Oh, yes, girl. All of that. Like, that's why I'm like the one thing I'm just obsessed about, like my eyebrows, because, you know, trustworthy eyebrows, that's like how people determine whether or not they're going to deal with you. So there's trustworthy eyebrows. And then of course, like great skin, like I exfoliate, I moisturize, like I do all the things just so that when I wake up, I'm not a total disaster, you know, but like, that's about the extent of it. I wouldn't say that I try very hard. (laughs) (laughs) I love that though. So you were talking, you talking about charity and nonprofit philanthropy. Mm -hmm. Is there an organization that you're into right now or is there something you're looking? So yeah, so there's sort of two categories of giving that I'm really passionate about. The first one, of course, is like, you know, formal giving through organized charities. So I love Pencils Mm -hmm. for Promise. They donate, you can donate to them and every single penny goes towards their charitable work. So they build school abroad and that's their main focus and it's actually fairly inexpensive in the grand scheme of things fundraiser wise to build a school that will actually live on forever and and educate a lot of students Uh, it's around fifty thousand dollars which you know in terms of fundraising that is a lot of money going really really far you know it's our little bit of money going really far and so you can raise revenue with your for your birthday you can work with your community you can work locally and what happens is you hit that number, guess what? You've built a whole school, you know, and like that's mm-hmm. tremendous, you know, so I love working with them. And then the other style of giving I love is, you know, kind of what I call micro giving. It's just blessing people in little ways every single day whenever you are in the world. So whether it's paying a toll or getting a cup of coffee, or if you find out that someone in your neighborhood is really struggling, taking the opportunity to say, like, for instance, we have a neighbor up the street that usually keeps a beautiful garden. And um, I noticed this summer that their garden just was like very overgrown and things. And it was just unusual for that neighbor. So, Mm. you know, popping in there and just saying like, Hey, what's, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, because it's unusual, you know, and then finding out like, Oh, they're sick or they're dealing with a challenge or a struggle. And then saying, I'd love to maintain this for you. And, you know, just things like that to help out the people around you so that we're impacting our community because, you know, that's part of your legacy as well. I love that so much. 
Yeah, it's a real thing. I love that. That's a big thing that I've been needing to work back in. I think I've been so mm-hmm. tunnel vision on my business that I like sure. forget to be like, hey, how can I help someone? You know? Yeah, just- yeah. And what's great is like, it doesn't even have to be that big. I think that when, and tunnel vision is required, like focus is necessary, especially in the building and launching phases. Mm. And I think what's great is we realize that if you don't think of it as, oh, when I get to this point, I can do this much. If you start thinking of it as where can I integrate little moments of philanthropy in the things that I'm doing now? So if it's like, hey, I'm doing a a course launch, can I give away 10% of my profits, you know, like to an organization? So with every purchase, $5 goes to blank, you know, and it's just a nice way to be able to support people. Or is it rounding up your community and saying, hey, guess what? It's the end of the year. You know, we want to sponsor two children. Who wants to help with that? You know, and it doesn't have to be huge. Something like that can be a hundred bucks or two hundred fifty bucks, right. like total, literally, to sponsor someone monthly. But you know, these things make a huge impact and a huge difference, and it also creates and fosters a sense of purpose and community that you know lives on in a bigger way. Even just being nice to someone, I, I feel like it's yes. it's so crazy to me how I don't we just treat each other with. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think we were dismissive. Angry. Yeah, I think it's dismissive. You know, more than anything, where. We all are just in our own heads and we're all just super busy. And I think that's what tends to happen is like you find yourself kind of being in on the go, go, go. So one of the easiest ways to kind of give back would be like, just like you said, if you are talking to, you know, someone at the grocery store or at the line at Target, if they say, if you say, how are you doing? Actually listening, you know, and say, and if they're like, oh, I'm good. No, really, how are you doing? You know what I mean? And actually listening instead of being so automatic about your interaction, because you'd be surprised you can really, really help. Right. Like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You know how like it's automatic. Like we don't even realize it. Like, how are you doing? Fine. And then we just keep going. And it's like, no, like I want to listen for the answer. And maybe I'll actually read your name tag and use your name. That's good, James. I'm glad to hear that. Like that might be the only true interaction that they've had that day. And that's a big deal. It's very true. It's Mm -hmm. very true. So many good things before we do our final wrap up here. One of the things I've heard you say a bunch of times is I don't do free. Yeah, no, gosh, I'm allergic. I love because I think... (laughs) I think, you know, when you are, especially like, you know, a young woman entrepreneur starting a business or you're new in business and you get like pressure from, which I don't think friends should do this, but you get pressure from friends for discounts or Mm -hmm. you're afraid to set your prices and you're, you know, really like there's like a lack of confidence there because you don't have that experience of doing it. So do you have any like any suggestions to that that person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think the thing that a lot of us need to shift with is it's not so much about charging because of our own profit. That's actually why it feels uncomfortable because mm-hmm. if a friend or someone's asking you, you're like, oh man, I have to set this price because if I don't make a discount, then it looks like I'm greedy or it looks like I only care about my business. When it, We all know, and we can just say it out loud, all the entrepreneurs out there, all the people thinking about it, mm-hmm. we all know that entrepreneurship is hard hard and it is fun on some days, but a lot of days it's really tough. And so we're not in this just to become bajillionaires because if so, there are other ways to do it that, that aren't as difficult and challenging, right? For but, sure. You know, for sure, right? <laughs> so knowing that, that means that the reason why you're charging is because you probably have a greater purpose behind it. Whether it is wanting to pay for your kid's college or finally set up a fitness program that you're really passionate about that's going to change people's lives and get a system out there, you 
you know, especially for people who are passionate about fitness, like, you know how it's changed your life. You know how it's helped people, how you how you can save someone else's life with that information. Like, that's what you're really about. So recognize that money is just a tool to allow you to do those things. You can't become an international speaker if you can't pay for a flight. Like, it's <laughs> real simple, you know? So whenever I put a price tag on something and the right price tag on it and don't do free, it's because I am that committed to my legacy. It's because I want to honor the work my children are doing every day to get into great schools. It's because I know the value of the struggle that I have managed to overcome and how valuable it is for me to share that with people so they can overcome their own struggles. So I have to charge so that I can continue doing the work that I've been called to do. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we like to end on a quote. So is there like a quote that you either have been feeling lately or that you live by or something that just pops in your head? Yeah, sure. So like, I'm a God girl. Like, so for me in particular, you know, and this I think applies to everyone one way or another, but there is actually a Bible verse that is first Peter four ten, And that Bible verse basically says this in a gist, right? It says that every single person has a gift. We all have a calling. We all have a purpose. But what makes that really special is that this verse says that that calling and purpose isn't just for us to use ourselves. That calling and purpose is specifically for us to use to serve and help others. And I think that that makes it so clear that we're supposed to be out there using our gifts, using our skills, and, and taking what we've learned and been through in our lives in order to make sure other people have a better life and that they leave a great legacy. I love it. Tell them where they can find you, Nicole. Of course. So if anyone is looking to hang out or if you guys want to see what I look like on a regular day, you can <laughs> find me over on Instagram at Nicole Walters. You can also find me on Facebook and on the web at Nicole Walters everywhere, NicoleWalters.com. You know, I think a lot of the times when you're, especially a new business owner, you see people around you, especially with social media and all the glitter and the sparkles and well, she's doing this and she does it. Yeah. Yeah. And you do the comparison thing and you start to stray from what makes you great, which is you being you and trying to mimic and copy. And then that just screws you, you know, gets you to start. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, it's like, like you said, Instagram is glitter and it's gold and it's unicorns and it's, it's the highlight reel. There's so much underneath that surface that you don't get to see. You don't get to see the empty bank accounts and the sleepless nights and the tears and the bathroom floor moments where you're just like, Oh my God, like, what am I doing? Like, you don't get to see any of that on the highlight reel. And nobody really talks about that. And nobody really shares the real struggle. And I'll be honest, I was that person too. I was like, oh no, if I share that, people are going to think I don't have together. They're never, I'm never going to get another job. I'm never going to get another contract. I'm never going to be hired. They're going to think she's a hot mess. And I don't want anything to do with that. And it's going to be so hands off. And so, and what I found really is that I've gotten more business and I've had more people reach out to me because. I was honest about what I was going through. I was honest when I said, I just don't have the energy or I show up and I'm just like, you know what? I'm mentally drained. I'm running low on sleep, but I have people that depend on me. So for that reason, I'm going to show up and give it a hundred percent, no matter what, but I feel like crap today. <laughs> you know, and, I've had, and I had those moments, like even showing up to teach class some days, I, I shared something on my social media last year where I just was lacking inspiration. I was not motivated. I mean, just waking up, I was like, Oh God, here we go. Okay. Here we go. One more class. How many classes? Okay. Two classes a day. I can get through that. It was like one of those get through it moments, Yeah. but 
I shared that and I just thought, man, like I'm really going to screw myself over doing this. Like nobody's going to come to my class. Like people are going to be, yeah, I think I'm not coming today, but you're yeah. in the fitness world and people think that you're like gung ho on it 24 yeah. seven. Like I love fitness. I love doing this. I love yeah. waking up every day and do it. It's like, no, you have hard days too. Yeah. And 98% of the time I am that person, but that 2% is that 2% where I'm just like, I hate this. <laughs> and I really don't. It's not that I hate it. It's just a lot of times what happens is my plate is too full or I haven't found the right balance between work and personal because I do love what I do so much mm-hmm. that sometimes it's hard to find that balance and find that fine line of, okay, you're done working, turn it off, leave it at work. And because I'm accessible to, especially with social media, I'm accessible to members 24 seven, essentially. Yeah. I have team members that are, you know, have access to me 24 hours a day. You know, they can text me, they can email me, they can call me. So I just had to, I got to the point where I had to create boundaries. And that's what I was missing at that time was just boundaries of saying, this is when I'm going to do this. This is when I'm going to do this. This is when I'm done. This is when I'm completely done. And once I established boundaries, I'm not going to say it's been a thousand percent better, but it's been, it's been much better. I still have moments. <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah. You're, yeah. I mean, you're a one woman show and you want to do well and you, you know, and you love working. So you're like, yeah, whatever. I'll email you back at 3 a.m. Yeah. And literally 3 a.m. Or it's like, I wake up and it's like 5 a.m. Like, oh, I have to send this back. And they're, yep. you know. <laughs> People expect it. They expect, yeah. They expect it from you. And then you've taught them how to treat you. And I was going to say, and I've taught them to expect that from me. So I had to retrain myself first and then retrain them to say, Hey, and I've gotten to where Sundays are completely work free. No work emails. No, unless something blows up. Yeah. (laughs) Don't wait till Monday. But yeah, Sundays are like my day of, it's just family and friends and loved ones. And it's just a time for me to put my phone down and put it away and just be, not look at life and not go through life through the lens of my phone. I love it. Be present and be focused on the people and things that are right in front of me and the things that I care about the most, which are those people that have supported this journey. And, you know, for some, for, for a while, I've maybe taken a back seat. And now it's time for me to like put them back in the, in the front seat with me and just say, Hey, thank you for going on this journey with me. Thank you for being a, a part of this ride with me. I appreciate you. You know, I see you, I hear you. I'm engaged with you in this moment. I'm not, you know, busy with other things or distracted. I'm, I'm here. Do you do anything like specifically to do that? I know someone I actually just had a conversation with someone. And she was saying that she deletes her Facebook app three times a day. Like Not that. <laughs> like that is she's like, I literally download it, go on there, make a post and then delete it from my phone. So I don't have to like scroll. Like she doesn't scroll. You know what? I do know people that have done that, that go through the process of deleting their app. I don't do that. I think what works for me is just being disciplined enough to say no. Right. That's the simplest thing for me is just, and there was a hard, like a little bit of a transition period too, especially with work emails and texts. Like the emails, I just turn off the notifications. So that's easy. I don't do that, but I just turn the notifications off. So I'll wake up on Monday and have like a slew of emails, but that mm-hmm. it's totally fine. But as far as like work texts, it's really gotten better because people know that unless it's a dire emergency, and then I also had to define what emergency was. Right. Emergency is not, I need this in five seconds because I'm behind on my schedule. <laughs> <That's not> my <laughs> <problem>. <laughs> but yeah, I had to really just sit down and define like what an emergency was. And I just, I communicated that to the people around me and just said, hey, moving forward, this is going to be the new schedule. This is going to be, you know, my new standard because I think because I was honest about it and I was just, 
upfront and said, Hey, I'm struggling to find balance. I'm struggling to make the people that are in my life feel important right now. And that's valuable to me. And that's important to me. So because of that, these are the changes that are going to be made. And once I did that, once I was just really open and honest about that, people really do understand. Right. When you phrase it like that and you make it about you, as opposed to be like, you need to stop messaging me at yeah. blah, 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 night, you know, Yeah. <laughs> you get like defensive. Like, well, I need your, right. I'm paying you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So when you make it about you and say, Hey, look, I need this. People are generally more receptive for sure to it. I like how you were saying that, you know, a lot of people don't really show the hard stuff. I was just talking about this the other day on my stories, like where are the people who are struggling now? Not, Oh, I used to struggle with blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, talk about it now. Cause there are people like me who I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm drowning at different points and I'm, I just need to know I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've definitely had those moments when I'm like, dude, I need a lifesaver. I need somebody to jump in and not necessarily save me, but just tell me to keep going. Yeah. You know, just tell me to keep swimming. Just tell me to keep my head above water because I mean, even just the last two years where I was in a bad business partnership that did not end well. And I took a two year hiatus. I, and you know, because of that, I had work contracts and things that I said no to because I just was in a place where I'm just like, I just need to refocus. I need to figure out like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this a sign that maybe, you know, I'm done consulting. I'm done being a a business owner and entrepreneur. Am I, you know, like what, what's happening? And I also needed to just figure out how do I heal from this? You know, this was someone that I considered a friend and a a mentor in a lot of ways. And um, that was the hardest part the business relationship you know, things in business happen like that all the time. And that wasn't the tough part. The tough part was, man, I've known this person for like four years now and we've had our ups and flows and we've gone through those things. And now this is how it ends. And it was tough for me in that regard. And, you know, I did take a a big financial loss, which was another dagger. Mm -hmm. So it's like those two things combined just made it really, really tough for me to want to step out there and for me to want to be present. Um, and for me to want to enter into another uh, partnership or another agreement. So I took two years off. And because of that, I turned down a lot of things. So I was at a point where things were flowing and they were coming in. And then all of a sudden I just hit the brakes and just came to a screeching halt. And I had a rough two years. The year one was just like, I just want to bury my head in the sand. And I just want to like, you know, tell me to pick my head up when it's over. So the first year after that was kind of like, let me pick up the pieces and figure out if they go back together. And if they do, how do they go back together? And then year two was, okay, now that we've got all this together, let's rebuild and let's, let's create a new foundation. But this time let's make it stronger and let's take what we've learned in this first year and apply it and do things differently. Was so I like going through that two year period, was that intentional or was it kind of just like happening and you were going with the flow? It was intentional. Yeah, that's good. That's really like it was intentional. And at the same time, I was also going through a horrible breakup. So it was like those two things, Mm. business and personal, were just kind of like falling apart at the same time. So I mean, you want to talk about being real and being like, (laughs) here's the nitty gritty. Like here's what I'm I'm showing up and I'm smiling, but behind the smile and behind the microphone on stage, I am just like, God, get me through this next fifty minutes. So I can go home and get away from people because just it was a struggle for me to be member facing and be team member facing, um, and to be around 
you know, family and friends who didn't really know what was going on. And there's a lot of things that I couldn't talk about, especially with the business side of it, just because we were, you know, trying to figure some things out legally. And it was hard because I, I felt like I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't know at that time, I didn't have anybody around me that really understood what I was going through. They didn't understand. I didn't have any entrepreneurs that I really spent time with and like poured into and had them pour back into me. So it was difficult when you don't have anyone around you that really understands how much you've sacrificed and worked to be this business owner and to be this entrepreneur and then to have one failed partnership or one failed relationship threaten all that and jeopardize all of that. So I was like, I mean, literally just barely keeping my head above water. And I did take two years and I just said enough. I was like, I need a break. I need to take a breath. I need to refocus and figure some things out and decided this is where if I want to continue with this. And so I did that. I think year two was a little more, let's go with the flow and see what happens. I still honestly wasn't ready to jump out up there and say, hey, let's go, let's go do this again. Let's, let's hit the ground running. I was just kind of like, all right, well, I took one step, that works. Let me take another one, <laughs> let me see if that works. And then I just kind of slowly gained my momentum back. I think that's great though. I think, you know, there are two extremes that can really happen there. It could be like a, I give up and I'm not doing this anymore or a let's work myself into a hole and not deal with what's actually going on yeah um, which you know I think for a lot of women it could really go either way and I think that's amazing that you were able to be like pause <laughs> yeah it's a scary thing like I mean you know this it's like it's scary when you're you have these really busy seasons and then you have these really slow seasons and for me to purposely take and again it wasn't I didn't say I'm gonna take two years off it just happened to be that two years was the time frame, And towards the second half of last year, I just said, you know what, I'm ready to get back out there because I had more and more people that were coming around that there's a need and I know it's a need that I can meet. And I'm tired of sending that to someone else when, and I'm like, it's not a coincidence that I'm being, you know, told about these right there. They're coming around me. So I was like, let coming me just, to you. <laughs> yeah, it's coming to me. So, and I'm like, I can't keep handing this off and, you know, keep pushing this off on other people. So I just kind of slowly got back on there and started kind of testing it out a little bit. And a lot of it was fear-based. A lot of it was just like, if I do this again, is this going to happen again? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I talked to my, my mentor and, and she said to me, there's always going to be fear. You're always going to be afraid of something. Right now, this is your something. She said, five years from now, it'll be something else. So. Not wrong. (laughs) Always something, right? (laughs) One of the things you said that I loved was about how you got that Business for Dummies book. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So great though, because I, I get a lot of women who are like, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. But then they're not willing to just like start messy and to have that rough first draft and just like, you know, stumble through it and do things wrong. So I love that you were like, I'm getting a book. (laughs) I almost got it as a joke. I was just like, what's like a, I already have a master's. I'm like, I'm not going back to school. So what's the next best thing? I'm like, I don't have another two or four years to like (laughs) go back to school. (laughs) Like, how do I figure this out? And you know, my dad and I were like, okay, let's go to Barnes and Noble. So we went to Barnes and Noble. I said, I'm just going to get one of those, like, did you know those like black and yellow books that are like whatever for dummies? And I was like, I'm just going to find one of those for business. And he goes, okay, to me to not. And I said, no, seriously. And so I went and honestly didn't even know that they, that book existed. I was just like, 
on a whim. And when I found it, I was like, you know what? It's here. That's a sign that I need to buy it. So let's go. <laughs> like I said, I still have it to this day. It's just a reminder of, of where I started and where I am. It's very whimsical. It's a very funny read now in hindsight. But at the time, I was like soaking it all. And I was like highlighting and taking notes. And <laughs> I just look, I think back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I would not have hired me back then. But like, <laughs> I just, I'm like, God, who are these people that were like trusting me with their business back then? Because I just, I don't know. But gosh, thank God, those rough days are like, oh, this is messy. And I also think to him, like, thank God Instagram and, and Facebook weren't then what they are now. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be in business. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely been a journey and it's been a, a roller coaster. I've been up and down and loops and the moments where you're like super excited, the moments where you thought you were going to puke all over the place. And it's just, it's been, but it's been incredible. It's been incredible. I would not trade, even the worst moments, I wouldn't trade them. Because I, I learned so much, just not about the business, but about myself and about, and about my tenacity and how bad I really wanted it. And it was, that to me was a true testament of like my willpower and my faith. It's like, do I have enough, maybe that person doesn't believe in me, but do I have enough faith in myself to continue doing this and proving them wrong? I love that. One of the questions I asked myself recently was, am I really bad at this or is it just really hard to be good at it? Mm. Because I think a lot of times you get into these periods of like self-loathing yeah. <laughs> and it can spiral to be like, I suck at this or, you know, I'm, I still can't get it. I'm not getting the hang of it or, or I'm, you know, just kind of crawling along and and it was almost like it hit me. Am I really a loser or am I really that bad at this? Or is it just like really hard to be good at it? And maybe I just need to keep going. Yeah. And sometimes I think it's because of that highlight reel and because we are in the, we're just in a, a constant state of comparison. Mm. It is easy to fall into that trap and think, man, but they're doing it so well and they're doing it so differently. Why doesn't mine look like that? Why doesn't mine, you know, I've got the same tools and the same resources, but house doesn't look like their house. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, we are, we're just in this constant state of comparison and what if, you know, and it's just, we're always questioning whether we're smart enough or good enough or have enough money or don't have enough money or have enough, the right connections or don't have the right connections. And it's tough. It's tough. You know, and I wish I had the answer for that. I mean, I, I find myself doing that too. I find myself in that state of comparison too. And I also have to have to remind myself to snap out of it and just be confident in the gifts and the talents that God has given me, you know, really just making sure that I'm always prayerful and mindful of what's in front of me and not comparing my journey to somebody else's. Which is, I mean, it's, it's really hard to do. I try to put myself out there a lot. Like even just today, I was like, see this roll of paper towels. I stole it from my house and I'm bringing it to work. <laughs> Because we need towels at work. Yeah, there you do. Yeah. Not yeah. spending the company money on a roll of paper towels. I don't have to. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think it's, you know, people see, they see those things. And, and I, like I said, I'm constantly trying to be like, oh, how is your room so clean? And you take these, these mirror selfies. And I said, like, look, I cleaned out a section of my, my bedroom. I set it up and I decorated it. So when I take clothing pictures at home, it looks pretty. I don't have a clean house. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I wish I did. Oh my gosh. And I, you know, it's funny. I, somebody was telling me yesterday, we have a new instructor coming on board and, and she said, Oh my God, I can't believe it. Like, how do you remember to do all this? And I said, girl, what you don't realize is I messed up. Like I've 
flood my words like three times. She goes, really? I didn't even notice. And I'm like, I did. Yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, it's one of those things I, I think, like I told her, it's this, if you mess up, just keep going. Just pretend like it didn't happen and keep going because nine times out of 10, you're the only one that's going to notice it. Right. And it's, you know, it becomes a bigger thing when you dwell on it. Right. And when you point it out. Yeah. Point it out. Yeah. Then I'm if like, you don't just, point it out. you know what? I screwed up. <laughs> keep going. Like, don't point it out. Don't make, don't bring attention to it. Just, you know, and I think there's a difference between not pointing out the small things and there's a difference between that and just lying for help. Yeah. yeah. Then, like, <laughs> obviously I'm like, you're all like, yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah, I think there's a difference between like, oh, I made a hiccup. There's a hiccup and I just kind of flood this versus, you know, yeah, I just didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. So we like to close things out on a quote. So is there a quote that either you live by or has been speaking to you lately that you can share with us? Oh, wow. The one thing that I always leave my members with is you have to fight for that second wind. And it's very much fitness related, but I think in life too, sometimes you lose your breath and you lose your balance and you lose your footing. And it's not so much about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many times you're willing to get up. We can all get up, but sometimes we don't want to. And I said that earlier, I had moments when I was just like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to fight. I don't want to continue going on. I really just want to lay here and be a little self-loathing right now and just, you know, kind of wallow in this. But it's also knowing that no matter what you're going through, there are always people that are depending on you, whether it's your family or your loved ones or your clients or your team members or your colleagues. There's always someone that is looking to you that may think she has really got together. Like, man, I can't even believe this. And you're sitting in here and you're just like self-doubting yourself and you're like, I can't believe this happened. I'm not good at this. I'm not, you know, you're in this state of like negativity. Meanwhile, there's people out there that are just like, man, I wish I could be where she is. Right. So I tell my classes, you know, yes, there's moments when you hit that zone four, you hit that threshold effort and you're just like gasping for air and you're just like, I hate to be disgusted right now. I'm going to punch her in her throat when we leave class. And I'm just like, get that second win, find that second win because we are so close to the end and there's so much more behind you than what's left in front of you. And if you, at the end of that class, can stop and take a moment and just look back and say, man, I, I started at minute one and now I'm at minute 60. I can do this, right? I can do this. But you've got to work for it. You've got to fight it. You've got to want it. And if you don't want it, you're not going to have it. I love that. Fight for your second win. Fight for your second win. Where can our listeners find you? Online, I'm on Instagram at my handle is just at Davida J Parks. Um, super simple. You'll see my face. I'm kind of like crouched down a little badass pose. <laughs> Thank my photographer for that one because he totally captured it just like on a whim. Um, and I guess just real time, I'm at Lifetime Fitness out in uh, Waverly. So off of Golf Links Drive, South Charlotte. And I'll also be at Ebb and Flow, just private one-on-one sessions. So. Awesome. So if you're local, you can definitely check her out. I love it. But if I would have followed the blueprint, I mean, I wouldn't have kept wrestling. I would not have kept doing it. I mean, there's so many things I would not have kept doing. I mean, just on paper alone, I really shouldn't have done anything with my life on paper statistically. And so um, (laughs) it's crazy, right? And, And I just, I just think not enough people, I think we're like, well, I don't do it like them. I don't learn like them. And we talk ourselves out of doing crazy things. 
that we might be great at. And we just have to be convinced of ourselves. That doesn't mean that I was right all the time. I just think there were times, and you know, you know when your gut is telling you, no, 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 I, I really think I need to spend some time here. I think I need to address that or I think there's something to this or I think that person's weird and I don't want to be alone with them. Whatever it is, like <laughs> I just think as humans, but I think especially as women, I really think that we need to trust ourselves a little bit more. I'm not saying I know my truth. I'm not talking about that because <laughs> I think that's a cop out. Mm-hmm. Like just because you, it's your truth doesn't mean it's the truth. That's not what I'm talking about. I just think we have instincts. We have intuition for a reason. Full circle, I guess it just came from a lot of great people in my life, but then a lot of not great people in my life. And you have to discern enough. Do I trust them or do I trust me? Or is it both? And it's just constant chess, right? I think the scariest thing we can do is ever get complacent because the world is changing so much and we're constantly changing and I'm older than I've ever been. And (laughs) so maybe what worked for me instinctively 10 years ago as an athlete is not going to work for me today. Right. So yeah, you're growing and evolving. And I mean, and that even goes, that goes in like relationships. Yeah. I've been with my husband for eight years and we're totally different people than we were, uh, right? right? And, but yeah. we still work because grow together and figure yeah. that out as opposed to, mm-hmm. but we've always done this like this. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a mixed bag, you know, it really is. The openness um, to evolve and grow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That you're not the same person and you need different things now. And so your coach, that sounds pretty amazing that they were able to see that in you and and see that you needed to have things done differently for you or coach differently for you. Yeah. As opposed to trying to shove you down the same path. And it's not like he was like, so this is how I do it. I mean, I literally couldn't tell you what day of the week it was. I couldn't tell you what we were talking about, but I always responded so well to his coaching and he was pretty harsh. Like he was pretty hard on all of his athletes, but for some reason it's like, I knew what he meant and it meant the world to me and I ran with it. And this was back, I think this was back like 2010, 2009, 2010. He's not coaching anymore, but there were things he taught me just, and I think as a coach or any type of authority or mentor, or leader, we can all take a lesson from him. If you can figure out how somebody receives the message, do that. It's not about you saying the message. It's about them getting the message, right? And so I think there's just a lot of things he taught me that has stayed with me there. Even now, like as I was given this new year and I'm like fighting to get where I know I can be, I really, it's funny because before I got on this call, I've been looking at a lot of old film. And, and I've looked at old film before, but I feel like I'm so much older. And I'm so far removed. Like I watch and that's like, I'm watching someone else, but mm-hmm. I'm really trying to figure out even watching interviews. Like who was that person? Who yeah. was I that was talking like watching film the last couple of days? It's just been really eye opening. I'm like, I remember there was when I first made the Olympic team in 2012, they interviewed me after every match before the finals. And in the finals, I wrestled a girl I'd never beat before. And literally, I remember being really focused. And I remember that time period. I wasn't even sure I was going to win. I was just doing everything I could, everything I could and doing it as perfectly as I could. 
And every interview, they're like, how do you feel? Like, are you excited? And I'm like, you know, I just, I got to wrestle. I like, there's like no smile on my face. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. You're focused. Like, I just, I, I'm like so focused. And then like, <laughs> literally after I won the semis, they kept asking me, so how do you feel? You're two matches away. And I'm like, you know, whatever. And they're like, and then they asked me, they're like, no, but honestly, what is it? How do you feel? Like two matches and you're going to London. And then finally, like I cracked, like I broke a smile. <laughs> and then, you know, I watched my interview after winning. That's what I'm talking about though. Like I was so focused, but you have a crowd of 14,000 people watching you and you're in the finals against someone you've never beat before to make the Olympic team. As an underdog, I was not favored to win this tournament it's easy to say, well, duh, elite athletes stay focused. But that is an environment where it is so easy to not be focused. There are so right. many ways to not be focused. But and I'm like looking. Pressure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so much. And I'm just watching myself like you didn't crack. And so again, trusting yourself, but also if you do find yourself like, I feel like I'm, I've gone astray. Or I feel like I'm floundering. Like I'm trying to when you lose something, you go back to the last place you remember having it. Exactly. And yeah. that's what I'm I'm trying to do that for myself. That's such I feel a like cool thing though. Like I just, <laughs> oh, I love that you said that because it's so true. When you lose something, you retrace your steps and you find where you last left it. And yeah. I mean, that can be true in some cases, of course, for your mental state. Like, yeah. Okay. Where did I, yeah. what happened where I let go of that? Right. Right. It's always little things and then it adds up to bigger things. And, but I think that that's true for all of us. Yeah the stuff that I'm learning right now and figuring out about myself. I'm like, you know, it's not even like I started talking differently or I became different. It's like little things over time. And that's okay. It's okay. I look back a lot at my journey. Some of the stuff I don't quite have hindsight with, like some of the stuff I'm like, I'm not quite removed from that to really be like, oh, it happened for a reason, whatever. But there are some things where I'm like, I have grace on myself. We're figuring this out. There's no textbook on life. I think we're just all trying to figure it out, you know? Not that we know of. Not that we (laughs) know of. I mean, I feel like if there was one, it would be like the Beyonce handbook or something. Like, (laughs) just do what Beyonce does. So what was it like to go to the Olympics? How did it feel when you got there? So I remember it was really like going to Disneyland for the first time. It was all so new and it all happened so fast. It was like this high and exciting and then exhausting at times. We got there. And then I think the day we got in, we had to go through like processing and get all of our gear, which took hours. And every sport does that differently. Some sports, they do it. I know track and field, they did it in like Texas or something. We did it in London. And then that took like hours and it was great. And then we did like a photo shoot with Ralph Lauren. So that was cool. And just a lot of exciting stuff. There's the USA house and then there's PNG house. And then there's just all these different places you can go and mingle with other athletes or mingle with your family and friends that came. And so we were kind of just getting all the information and getting situated in the village and it's kind of a blur. But then I think it was like the next day or the day after we had opening ceremonies. We trained a couple of days in London and then we had opening ceremonies, which was crazy because my greatest memory and the memory that like is seared into my brain was meeting Kobe Bryant, obviously. <laughs> but I remember me and my teammate, Clarissa, who is like now a national team coach, but she's my teammate. She was my teammate back then. She was like, we got to hang out with the basketball players because that's how you get on TV. 
And that's how the, you get the cameras on you because everyone loves basketball. So I like followed Kobe Bryant around. Like, like there's tons of pictures of me just like looking like so fired up that he's like right there. I remember when your country walks into opening ceremonies, they chant your country. But when the basketball team came in, they chanted Kobe. Mm. Like the entire world was chanting his name. I mean, it was like, I get chills just thinking about it. It was crazy. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Like, I'm like, this man is famous. Like, <laughs> so crazy. So crazy. And then the next day we left for France and did our acclimation training because it's just really busy in the village and it's, it's kind of tough to stay focused when you're like around. Honestly, some athletes are just happy to be there and it's like yeah. a party from day one. Right. But it's not like that for like the US team, obviously. But then we got to do some other stuff. We got to go to this breakfast where this is kind of cool. We might go over time a little bit, but I have to tell you this story because it's so awesome. So we did this breakfast and it was, so Michelle Obama came to speak for us. And then there was a lot of past like Olympians and Olympic champions and whatnot. And it was the women's wrestling team fencing and then the women's basketball team. And I remember we listened to Michelle Obama speak. Barack Obama was still present at the time because this was 2012. They finished speaking. We all take pictures and I get a picture with the women's basketball team and her name is Diana. I can never pronounce her last name. Oh my gosh. It's, I'm like killing the story right now. But anyways, <laughs> I'm looking it up right now because this is like really important. Oh, okay. Tarasi, Diana Tarasi. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But anyways, she was there and I remember just being in awe because this was 2012. And in 2009, I was wrestling at Arizona State and I was working full time and I was taking all my classes online because I worked full time. And I was just like a broke, struggling college student, nobody. I had not even made the national team. And I worked at Paradise Bakery at Fashion Square Mall and literally serving sandwiches to people. It was like so cool. So Fashion Square Mall, it's in Scottsdale, and it's one of those malls where you like see famous people a lot. But I work at a cookie shop. Like, I'm not really impressing anybody. <laughs> so no one knows that I have a dream to be an Olympian. I'm just serving cookies. So one day I'm working, and she comes up. Diana Tarasi comes up to my counter and orders. She's like with her agent. I don't know. And I was like starstruck, just trying to act normal. This is 2009. Three years later... I'm in a room with her meeting Michelle Obama before the Olympic Games. I mean, it was like, it was just, it was just one of those moments. I didn't say anything to her about it, but it was one of those moments where you're like, anything can happen. You don't know what can happen. In three years, I went from like not being on the national team to like, I'm in London. It was crazy. There were a lot of moments like that where I just stopped and I was like, wow. So the Olympics were pretty crazy. I was heartbroken. Obviously, you think you just want to go to the Olympics. And it is awesome. And I'm grateful I did. I know I sound stupid saying that. But when you leave without a medal or you fall short, it's heartbreaking. Like it's so heartbreaking. And then after I lost my final match, they interview you and they prepare you. They're like, you're going to go through media. You have to. And then I just wanted to curl up in my bed and die. But I had friends and family who had traveled from all over the world, literally, yeah. to come see me. So you have, you have to really pull it together for them. And then I went through a like super low period afterwards, which a lot of Olympic athletes yeah. do. And Even one of the ones that have yeah. taken home medals, like they've got mm-hmm. that, you know, like yeah. Rousey's talked about that. And, yeah. 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 It's real. It was a really tough time. And 
what's also interesting about that is like, I'd struggled with depression my whole life, but it just wasn't something that was ever discussed. There was no conversations about it happening growing up. Mm. And I remember after the Olympics being so depressed, it was so bad. I had to leave the Olympic train. I lived in Colorado at the Olympic training center. I had to leave. Like I couldn't even be there. And my national team coach didn't get it. And I was like too ashamed to explain it to anybody. Mm. And I remember this, you know, I ended up leaving the training center in 2013. I had some cool opportunities elsewhere and I just needed to like heal. And I remember I went to a women's sports foundation event in 2016, a few years later. And it was the first time we had, it was like me and all these really high level athletes, tennis players, and like mainstream athletes that everyone knows about. And we're sitting there, Billie Jean King's there, you know, (laughs) like these really big names. And we're talking about mental health and athletics. And Michael Phelps had just started talking about it publicly. And it was the first time ever that I'd had a conversation about it with other athletes. After London, I try, I would try to bring it up to people and it was like shut down. Why are you sad you went to the Olympics? But it was like real. It was real. There was a lot, of, a lot of takeaways from the Olympics that I never imagined I would have even on that spectrum, you know, outside of athletics and outside of Team USA, mental health, you know, and being open and candid about that stuff. When you're in a position of influence, it's scary. It was a really tough thing to go through, but I'm so glad that finally people started talking about it. Because if you would have, we would have been doing this talk in 2016, I don't think I would have Those are just things I wouldn't have even brought up. Like I would have been like, I actually don't want to talk about this. (laughs) Because I I was embarrassed and ashamed. Depression, especially, it it can be really horrible at at times. It's like a war going on in your brain, like all the time. And so... Yeah. And if you don't understand it, you usually say the wrong things to people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's so young in public conversation that people constantly don't understand it. And even for me, I've had to grow in just understanding that I have to explain it to people. This stuff sets me off. This is causing me anxiety and it's causing me to beat myself up. And here we are. I'm having it like I'm going through a low and you don't walk around like announcing it to people. But you know, I think even in my inner circle, there's people I've been able to open up to and be like, I'm just like struggling right now. Just FYI. But yeah, you're right. It's just I think there is definitely a lack of understanding and it's, I think it's just up to all of us who do understand it to just be more candid about it, you know, to share. Um, I think that it takes one, it helps people to feel like they're less alone. Like you were sitting there like, Oh my gosh, people are talking about this. Like finally, like how you've been feeling. I think when people, especially, you know, people who have influence or, you know, they have a platform and they have a voice, they start speaking on it and you get, these people who felt like they were so alone, or maybe they looked at you and they're like, she's an Olympic athlete. She's perfect. Like she'll never, she could never understand what I'm going through. And it's just not true. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I have this podcast because, you know, I love it. I love it. (laughs) We've got these amazing women and in reality, a lot of the same thoughts and feelings, they just parallel. So yeah, so true. I'm so glad you shared that with us. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So we like to end on a quote. It can be something that you're like, it's just like your life motto or it can be something you're feeling just kind of like lately. Give us a quote. Oh my gosh, that is so hard. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm not prepared for this. Let me look at it. Let me see if I have a cheat sheet here. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like to put people on the spot. <laughs> so I have actually a tattoo. I don't know if you can see it. Hmm. So I ended up getting surgery after the London Olympics. I actually got a really bad injury before the Olympics. I swear this ends well. I keep giving you like bad news, but I swear <laughs> there's silver lining. So, and it was very discouraging and pressing to heal from that too. I got the surgery, which is a whole, we should do like a part two episode because that's like a whole crazy different story (laughs) right there. So crazy. When I finally kind of overcame all that stuff from the Olympics and then 2016 and just finally like figuring out who I was and all this, I wrote a song called Now. And it's just talking about when you're going through a difficult time and you find a way to over, you finally get through it. Like that feeling where I think I finally can laugh again. Right. Mm. And in the song, I say anything is possible. I believe in now. And so I got it tattooed to my chest, right where my scar is, which I used to be very insecure about. And it wasn't like a reminder I liked, but now I'm like, you know what? I believe in now. And like, I just embrace the scars, right? It's not like a quote I heard recently. It's from a song I wrote, but it's, but it's kind quote. of, like, it's your quote. It's, <laughs> it's kind of more, I don't know if it's a mantra, but it's more like a state of being like, I have to believe in this moment, each moment I believe in now. I love that. See? You had that the whole time. Yeah. Tattooed right on you. (laughs) Seriously, right here, right on my, wearing my emotions right on my chest, literally. (laughs) (laughs) So where can people find you? They want to follow you or? I'm on Instagram. I have a few handles because some people, like I do music Mm -hmm. and some people don't care about that. They only care about the wrestling. So (laughs) I have one that's like specifically for wrestling and like fitness and health. And then I have one specifically for music. And then the one that you and I connected on, World Changer underscore USA. And then I am Kelsey Campbell. That's the music one. And then Kelsey Campbell works. And that's like the fitness one. <laughs> so there's that. I, I know it's like, okay, it's you. So um, yeah, no, it's, it's all me. Just the others are a little bit more content. I just kind of yeah. put it out there. And then I have, a, I have my website, I am Kelsey Campbell, Facebook, Kelsey Campbell, Twitter, World Changer 55, because that was my weight class in 2012. <laughs> I don't have TikTok and I don't have Snapchat and I probably never will. This <laughs> uh, is not my cup of tea, but I, I don't really get it. I don't really get the point. If you pretty much type my name in, something will come up. So gotcha. awesome. pick your poison. <laughs> you were great. Thank you so much for yeah. taking the time to be with us today. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rebel Babe Cave. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and we'd love it if you left a review. See you next week.